Welcome to Orphans No More, a media extension of Justice for Orphans, a ministry dedicated to rally the church for the cause of the fatherless, inspiring, educating, and equipping believers to care for vulnerable children, and supporting those who have heard and heeded the call of James 127. Here's your host, Sandra Flack. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. That is, of course, Jeremiah 29, 11, a very special verse for our guests today. Welcome to Orphans No More, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children in crisis through adoption, foster care, and kinship care. I'm your host, Sandra Flack. I want to start off by reminding you, please, to reach out if you have any questions, if you'd like to schedule uh, a call to connect with me. I love connecting one-on-one with our listeners. Um, I do have time in my calendar where I add um, those. We could do Zoom, do it just by cell, um, where we connect together. Um, Maybe you want to suggest some um, potential guests. Maybe you need some advice about how do you homeschool a kid with FASD or um, how do I parent and what do I do now? And what do I do if I suspect that my child may have been prenatally exposed to alcohol or um, I just need some trauma training tools or just need to speak with someone who gets it, a fellow fellow adoptive mama on this journey. I'm here for you. That's what we're all about here. So send me an email. You can contact me directly through my email, which is Sandra Flack, JFO at gmail.com. Or you can go through our website, justicefororphansny.org. Reach out. I love hearing from listeners. Of course, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast follow it, follow our social media. That helps us to know that you're listening as well. Now I opened with Jeremiah 29, 11, one of my favorite verses too, but it's very special and it's a key part of the story for our guests today. Now I said guests because there are two and I am thrilled for you to meet this mom and son duo, Pam and Trent Taylor. Trent spent his early childhood experiencing horrific forms of abuse and neglect. And as a result, around the age of four, he entered the foster care system where he spent four tumultuous years in the system on a journey, um, a heartbreaking journey, really, before finally finding his way to his forever family. His mom, Pam, has a BS in special education. She is a TBRI practitioner. And for those of you who may not be familiar with TBRI or Empowered to Connect, TBRI is Trust-Based Relational Intervention. And it's a phenomenal um, parenting tool tools for those of us who are parenting children with trauma histories. Um, so there's, there's training available, TBRI training available for parents, and there's also training available for professionals. And, um, and if you're a professional, you get a more intense um, professional training and you get to become a TBRI practitioner. Um, my husband and I are um, empowered to connect parent trainers. So we can offer a, a, a nine-week, 10-week course for parents with kids in their home um, in that TBRI model. 
Um, and um, we do that. But Pam has um, the, the personal training. She's an actual practitioner. So I'm sure that we're going to learn a lot, a lot with her. And also she is a child and adolescent trauma professional. And Pam is Trent's adoptive mom. All right. Welcome to the show, Trent and Pam. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. It is an honor to have you both on. I've been so excited since I met you both um, at CAFO back in September in, in Cincinnati. Um, and I got your book and I just been, been looking forward to this connection to be able to talk with you. Um, together, you have authored a book about your story. The title of the book is Shattered No More, A Child's Journey from Trauma to Triumph, which I read and could not put down. Um, and we will let our listeners know in a little bit how they can get a copy. Um, so I don't want to give the whole story away because I, you know, I want them to be able to kind of go on that journey with you through your book. Um, but Trent, let's start with you. Would you share whatever you're comfortable sharing about what you remember about the events leading, you know, that led up to you entering foster care? Of course. So the events that ended me in foster care were domestic violence, extreme neglect, and sexual abuse. And therefore, at the age of four, me and my siblings were removed from our biological parents and placed into the foster care system. And during my time in foster care, I went through five different homes and five different schools over the course of five years. And a lot of what I can remember is the constant feeling of fear, uncertainty. I remember crying myself to sleep every night, just longing for someone to love me and to keep me safe and feel like I was in a place where I belonged. And unfortunately, the abuse didn't stop once in foster care at the hands of my older brother who remained with me and my younger brother up until the last foster placement before our adoptive placement. And so with the continued abuse, the fear and uncertainty continued as well. It's just, it's hard. I honestly do find it hard to describe all the pain and suffering that I experienced during my time in foster care in my earliest years. Yeah. Well, you did a great job in your book detailing that. And I know I just, my heart aches that you were suffering this abuse at the hand of your, of your brother who was always placed with you as your family, as your siblings were moved from home to home. And we, we know it's so important to keep siblings together. You know, we, we believe in that, but you didn't have a voice and you weren't able to really talk about or say what was going on. And you just continued to suffer um, because nobody really knew. And it was just, it was, it was heartbreaking. Um, but then there came a time when you did um, get out of that situation. So I know that, that I was just, riveted to your book, wanting, like waiting for like, when, you know, when, when, where's the rescue, when is this going to happen? You know, um, incredible. So you spent, you said now five harrowing years in foster care, um, bounced around more abuse in the system. We know, um, what are some of the key memories that you have from those years, I know a lot happened because a lot happened in five years, but were there, are there a couple of things that stand out from that time that you spent in foster care that, that you would really like us to hear about? Definitely. The main thing that, you know, in terms of like key things that happened in foster care 
was the fact that the, all my foster placements were religious. So I was able to cling on to the hope that God had a plan for my life. And also I was given a dog tag with Jeremiah 29, 11 engraved on it. And that's what I held on to during my time in foster care. That's what got me through it. And that's what helped me know that, you know, there's going to come a day where all this is going to, this is going to be over. And, you know, I'm going to have be in a place where I feel safe and have a family to call my own. So that was what I held on to. And somehow I never lost faith during my time in foster care, I actually clung even harder because the, God was the one thing that was certain, continuous, and the one person that never hurt me or let me down. And that was the one thing that gave me hope. Oh, I love that. I, I love I, that. And, and I, and in your story, in your book, you talk about that. And, mm-hmm. and that was just like, because I think so many times kids in that situation and your same situation can go further from God because like, where is God, you know? And, and I've seen that in some of my own kids even. And, but for you to cling to that, that hope, and then you actually had those tangible dog tags with the scripture on them that you would cling to at night when you would, when you would go to sleep and um, you know, God honored that God honored your faith. And, and I love, I love hearing that inspiring part of your story. So I also know from reading your book that you were around age eight uh, when you met a very special couple. Um, <laughs> what do you remember about that first meeting? There was a big event at the lake. You were, you were at a lake with your brother and you meet this couple for the first time. And then and in, the, and in the book, you tell the story. So I, well, I'm kind of a teaser to our listeners. Let's not tell them everything, <laughs> but tell them, you know, give us an idea of what you were thinking and feeling that day. Of course. It's kind of strange, but you know, when I first met these two people who I'd never met before in my life, I had complete strangers to me, but something just like emotional just came over me. And I just felt like these were the people that were going to be my parents. It's, I can't explain why I felt this way or where that came from, but I remember leaving that day, just chanting in the car, you know, they're going to adopt us. They're going to adopt us. I don't know. It was just like this instant connection that we made. And there was just something about them that just made me feel like they were different. Mm, yeah. Wow. So exciting. I Holy Spirit, right? I just feel like that yeah, you was, knew, you knew, um, God ordained, you knew. So Pam, what led you and your husband, Mac, to become foster and adoptive parents? <laughs> I ask this to a lot of my guests who are foster and adoptive parents, just so we can, you know, some of us have very similar stories. Sure, so it's sure. a <laughs> it should be a really easy question to answer, but it's really not for me. <laughs> um, we didn't, we didn't have any infertility issues. It was just something that God had placed on our hearts at a very young age. I didn't have any exposure to it through family or anyone that had adopted or fostered, but both my husband and I, who were high school sweethearts, um, as our relationship developed, always knew that we wanted to adopt. Um, and thankfully, we were on the same page with that. Um, but again, Holy Spirit, just something that was on our heart. Didn't know how that was going to happen or when it was going to happen, but we just, it was in the plans. So, yeah. It makes me think of that verse that God sets the lonely in families. Mm-hmm. So he was like creating a family before you all knew you were going to be family, but he was 
making it happen, bringing it together. I love that. Absolutely. Um, And all the puzzle pieces as we took our journey, you know, kind of began to fit together things that couldn't be anything but God. So yes, absolutely. So Pam, what do you remember about that day at the lake when you first met, (laughs) met Trent and his brother? Well, I'm not going to give too much away again, because it's in the book, but I did not want to go to that event. I had strep throat um, the night before, and I was feeling so sick and I didn't want to go. And somehow in the middle of the night, I started feeling so much better. And I told my husband, I'm like, all right, we'll go. Um, So by the grace of God, we went and had no idea what to expect. Um, That was our first match event that we had gone to. Um, But as soon as we got there, social workers approached us and said, hey, there's this sibling group that we want you all to meet. And we did. And we spent the day with them. And just like Trent said, it, it was, it just felt right. And I know, but it just felt right. It did. And we also left that day um, feeling like this was this was a God thing and it was going to happen. It wasn't the plan for us to adopt a sibling group. It wasn't in our plans to adopt kids who had been um, exposed to sexual abuse, kids who had been caught up in the system. We had this nice little, you know, envisioned package the the way we wanted this to work. But we all know that God had other plans, and that's the way that works quite frequently. Um, so when we spent time with them that day, I literally left in tears in the car. Um, just not wanting to leave them and just feeling like it was just new. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Wow. You just knew. So, and, and I, it's funny that you say you had this nice package. I think so many times we do, we have this nice package of this is how this is going to work. And, <laughs> you know, and we have that, you know, happily ever after vision of how this is going to oh, yeah. work. And we kind of like forget that this is messy it is we're entering yes. into the messy and mm-hmm. we need to be equipped for the messy, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, we have to enter in, right. We have to step into it. So, yep. um, so maybe sometimes that neat package at least is something to get us there. And then exactly. Yeah. Once we're in, we're not going to like, you know, you get attached to those kids and then you're like, we're doing this no matter, no matter what. So Um, And when I, when I talk with families now that we work with, you know, I make sure they know, you know, I, yes, I like you, I wanted one child under the age of five that had not been sexually abused and little checklist. And I let them know, (laughs) let's just go ahead and toss that to the side because (laughs) God has plans for what your family is going to look like. And you know what? I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. I just wouldn't. That's right. That's right. He knows God knows what he's doing. Yeah. So when the boys came, because Trent came with his younger brother, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And what is his name again? Mike. Michael. Mike. Yeah. Michael. So um, the, the boys came, and clearly the neat, tidy package was not, you know, the case. So what was that adjustment like after they came? Well... <laughs> Again, not like you said, not a nice little package. It was, um, our worlds were kind of rocked. I'm just being honest. Um, It was a tremendous blessing to have them walk through our front door. And it's a day I will never forget. Um, But it took us on a journey that was many, many years um, of healing uh, for all of us. So I had a background in special education and behavior management. 
So I was sure, you know, I had this, right? Got it covered. (laughs) It didn't take long for me to realize that parenting a child from trauma involves some very different skills than than what I was equipped with. So um, they, you know, a lot of us go into this and I was one of them expecting love to be enough, you know, unconditional love. It's going to heal them. Time's going to heal them. Um, We need to be real about the fact that there's a lot of um, specialized skills and parenting needs to look different. Um, And once you get those skills, you approach this journey differently. I didn't have them at the start. Um, So I realized real quick, we were going to be dealing with a lot of behavioral issues. And we talk very openly about that now. Um, We're both TBRI Mm -hmm. practitioners now. So we're very open about that. Um, But so there were a lot of behavioral issues. We couldn't um, go out publicly for a year and a half, maybe two years um, due to behavioral issues. And I realized, okay, I need, I need some more training. Um, so that's when I started seeking specialized training in trauma, understanding the brain changes from trauma, understanding sexual abuse. And we literally poured everything we had in um, for, for a couple of years to start down that healing journey, um, which was amazing. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it's, that's how we grew so close was in those times when we were on our knees in tears Um you know, working on that attachment. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what helped him heal in the long run. Oh, that, and I love the fact that you're saying that, you know, you can look back at that journey and you see how that drew you closer. It did. And, and then, and then Trent, you, you too are a TBRI practitioner. Yes. That is amazing. That is wonderful. And to, 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 because you've come through so much healing mm-hmm. You know, so actually, let me, let me ask it as a question, because I didn't know that you were also a TBRI practitioner. So what led you to take the steps to do that? So the reason why I became a TBRI practitioner is because understanding trauma is critical. Having an understanding of how it affects your brain and the brain chemistry and how it affects behaviors and every aspect of your life, understanding that helped me heal. It helped me understand myself better. And since I want to become a trauma-informed therapist, you know, in the future, I thought, you know, this would be perfect. You know, this is the trauma-informed piece I've been looking for. And, you know, we've done this for a while with our, with the families we work with, I've seen it work and I just have always had a passion for it. So that's why i made the decision to get trained in that. Wow. That, that is, I keep saying, I love that because you just, you're, it's exciting to me to see the healing that has come into your life. And now you're wanting to help others like who've, who've walked the journey that you're walk that you've walked to be healed and whole also. And I've, I'm an empowered, empowered to connect parent trainer. Um, so my husband and I went through that training so that we could help other families as well. It, it uses TBRI. So mm-hmm. I really appreciate and just am way to go that you are in there getting that excellent training so that you can then help others along the way too. So um, love it. And remarkable. It, really, it seems to be really powerful when we can speak with families from yeah. the adoptee perspective, as well as the adoptive parent perspective, mm-hmm. you know, in the same venue on the same topic with, so that that's been really valuable for, and for other families. So for sure, because families I've been, I've done trainings and classes where, you know, families might be going through something that 
well, our family didn't actually experience that particular situation. And sometimes I'm like, you know, I, I know TBRI works and I know they can apply these things, but, you know, I feel much more confident when it's something our family went through that too. We okay. use what we did. These were the tools that we used and, and this does work. Um, so for you guys to, to come together as a team and teach that and, and be able to speak from both the perspective of, of the, 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 the individual who'd experienced the trauma um, and the mom, that's invaluable. That is wonderful. So um, I wanted to, I don't want to jump too far ahead. I don't want to be scattered, but um, let's see. There, I know, and this, I know this part of your story because I've experienced this frustration a little bit differently, but the boys came, they were with you for, for, for a period of time and you were on that roller coaster journey of, you know, we're going to adopt. And then, you know, you're, you're doing that up and down, you know, there might not be, um, you know, permanency and this might not happen and kind of walk us through that because I know our listeners can relate to that as well. Yeah, look, looking back, that was seriously the, the most traumatic time in my life. Um, we had, obviously, reunification is always the goal. Um, but when the boys came to us, it was as a pre-adoptive placement. So at that point, reunification was no longer the goal. But several months after being with us, they decided that was going to change back around. And things got caught up in the court system for many, many, many months. Um, at that time, we had the longest TPR hearing on the books in the state of North Carolina. Um, so we were back and forth in courts for a couple of years. And not only was that stressful for us, but my goodness, that was so stressful for these boys. Because, you know, they were even being told in therapy, yes, you're being adopted. This is your forever home. And then several months later, mm, maybe not. <laughs> you know, so what does that do to attachment? And, and you know, there's, yeah. Who do you trust? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was honestly horrific for them and for all of us. Um, and again, I'm not, you know, reunification, if it's appropriate by all means. Um, but in this case it was not. And, um, you know, it, we eventually got to our, to our end goal of adoption, but it was quite a journey. I shed so many tears and, at that point, I did not have, you know, a support group, support network. I did not have wraparound services. It was just my husband and I and mm-hmm. our agency that could provide very little support at the time. Um, so, yes, it, it was it was rough. And I understand everybody that's going through that. I I get it. And I will never forget those feelings. Yeah, I, mean, I we got to that. I got to that part in your book and I'm like, because I was like, I, I got the backstory. So I knew what Trent had gone through throughout his childhood. And then when it got to that part of the story, they're already in your home. And then it was like, wait, no, no. Yeah. Like, you know, um, and, and again, I, I kind of knew how it ended. Right. Cause I, yeah, thankfully. Time, I was like, you know, I remember it is that, that is so hard. And I know so many of our, our families listening can definitely relate. Um, but finally, adoption did happen. Permanency did happen. And Trent, that was, Trent is not your given name because you picked new name, new name on um, adoption day. So you are Trent McLeod Taylor. Mm-hmm. Why the name change and what do, what does your new name mean to you? So while not everybody has, feels the need to change their name, I did. I just felt like, you know, 
I'm finally getting, I'm finally in a family that is my own. I finally feel like I'm in a place where I am loved and I'm going to be safe. You know, it's a new beginning with my new family. So what better way to do that than with a new name, you know, and scripture talks about, you know, becoming a new creation. And that's exactly what I felt like our family was a new creation founded in Christ. And so my, that name change for me, was essentially letting the past be in the past and saying goodbye to the old me and saying hello to the new me in the family that God has so graciously given me. So when we were flipping through uh, essentially a baby book of names, we were just looking. We, so I narrowed it down to like five or six. And then my mom just randomly uh, found a name online that when it was Trent. And what it meant was strength and wisdom and courage. And I was like, that is it. And given <laughs> That is you. <laughs> given everything I had been through, that name just seemed to fit me the best. And then your middle, middle, yeah. Oh yeah, and my middle name is actually my dad's middle name, McLeod. So you know, I just felt honored to take that as my middle name as well. I love that, and I know the importance of names because my um, the four siblings that we adopted from Ukraine. Um, the older two got different. We changed, they kept their names. They kept their first names um, because they were, they were older. They were seven and nine, but we gave them new middle names that Mm. had strong meaning. And then um, the third child, the third one, his name um, was, was kind of um, his Ukrainian name didn't really, it wasn't really great for, for the United States, like for America. So um, we were like, let's change, let's change that. So we gave him a, mid, a first name and a middle name that was meaningful. And then we had to go back a few years later to adopt the youngest out of the four. And we knew about him where well, we didn't know about the other three kids until we actually got to Ukraine and picked kids from pictures. It was this crazy thing. But um, the, uh, the youngest one we, we knew about a couple of, for a couple of years before we traveled to go get him. So his name in, in, in Ukraine was um, Slava and people Mm. kept telling us Slava, you're going to change that, right? That's horrible. That's horrible. But what I had learned is in Ukrainian, the word Slava means glory. Mm. And we already knew him by that name because like that's the only name we knew him by. So we kept Slava and then we gave him a meaningful middle name. Um, But he loves God and loves to worship. And, 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 you know, so it was like, it's so fitting, you know, that that's the the meaning of his name. So I just, I loved that part that you shared that in your book, because I, I can, I can relate somewhat to the name, the name change. And that is definitely you. Trent is definitely um, wise choice on that. So Trent, you've experienced incredible healing over the years since your adoption. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was layers of things, but what, what helped you? What would you contribute really ultimately to your healing that has brought you? I mean, you're, I sit here and, and talk with you and you are so well-spoken and so knowledgeable. And so like, nobody would ever know, right. That you came from, you know, if they didn't read your book and just was chatting with you, nobody would ever know. Um, and, and just how you're giving back and you're, 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 a TBRI practitioner and you want to go on and, and, and be, a, you know, a therapist in this, um, what would you say brought you that great healing? First and foremost, God, 
most certainly was, I mean, that's where I, the ultimate healing is found is in him. Mm-hmm. But in addition to that, it was the attachment I found with my parents and the understanding of trauma that they had and that I have. Mm-hmm. Those three things combined were the three basic elements that brought me to healing was the healing in God, feeling attached and, and loved in a place where, you know, that could call my own and then understanding what had happened to me and what had happened to my brain and understanding the brain chemistry and everything like that and the changes that it can cause and does cause. So those, that's what allowed me to heal. Can I chime in there for a minute? Yes. And please have a, have a mom moment. (laughs) I know that he's mine and you know, that God put our family together, but there's something so special about Trent. And Mm -hmm. from the minute he walked through our door, it was very clear that he was not going to let that trauma define him, that mm-hmm. he was going to fight that. Um, and he poured every ounce of his ability into fighting that. I mean, we would be on the floor praying and on the floor crying. And he is so strong with that, but he was determined it was not going to define him. And mm-hmm. I could not be more proud of of him and what he's overcome and what he's done with it. And the fact that he gives God every single bit of the glory everywhere he goes. I mean, he's out breaking misconceptions left and right about, you know, academics and, you know, he's, I I won't brag, but he's just doing really well. (laughs) And And it's evident. It's, it's obvious. It shines through. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I'm gleaning from your story is how your Pam, your training, your experience with understanding trauma and the brain and TBRI. And then like, did you, how did you teach that to him? Cause I feel like that is often a missing piece. Like I do better now with my youngest who's 16 talking uh-huh. about the brain, talking about FASD, um, you know, and, and trying to have him understand. And I think when they do like, like, it seems like with Trent, you understood that it wasn't, there wasn't something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, and then it's almost like, it's like, and I, I remember learning this somewhere. So a lot of times I have an, I have another, um, adopted mom who her kids have had experienced FASD and a lot of trauma. And she said, it's not us against our kids it's us mm-hmm. and our kids against yeah. their brain or like the the, yes. the, the the disability right it's not so mm-hmm. we're on the same team and i think so many times what looks like behaviors which are really the symptoms right um yep. if you're if you're not if you don't have the training and you don't understand it's not the behaviors it's not something wrong with this kid um it's, it's not that they, you know, won't do what you want them to do. It's that they, they most likely can't do it. If you don't have that training, then you do feel like it's you against the kid. And then you take, as a parent, you're taking everything personally, yep. but it seems <laughs> like you guys were just, you had enough training and I'm not sure how much, like, at what point did you become a TBRI practitioner, Pam, before or after Trent? <laughs> after, after Trent, after I realized I did not have the skills I needed. Um, okay. And that was probably... I don't know, two or three years in, 
Um, and you know, so I've kind of seen it on both sides. I've approached the parenting without the skills I needed. And then with the skills and dramatic difference. Oh my goodness. But you kind of summarized it when you said that, you know, it's, it's the team thing. It's Mm -hmm. the walking, walking the pain with him. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, for the longest time he would look at me and say, why are you crying? It didn't happen to you. You know, and then finally realized that, you know, oh, it's because you love me. You know, once that attachment was there. Right. But you didn't really get that for no. a while. Yeah. He did not understand that. It's like, it didn't happen mm-hmm. to you. Why are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that like when he was hurting, his family was hurting and it was that attachment that mm-hmm. really, really healed him. Um, and the non, you know, the not judging, especially with the sexual abuse, you know, that, that I honestly felt completely unequipped. Mm-hmm. I had no clue what I was doing with that. But I, I sat there, I held him, I loved him, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, I mean, tell me about that. That was, am I, am I being accurate with what I'm saying? No, with, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, just the, the connection, you know, and that that's so, so, so critical. Yes. And like you said, understanding the fact that, you know, he was functioning differently, you know, and over time we watched that change and he's thriving. I mean, it's so always his brother, you know, and our goal now is to just provide hope to other people mm-hmm. that this can happen. And, you know, cause he was, one thing I don't know if we mentioned, or I don't even remember if it was in the book, but Trent and his brother were the worst case that his social worker had seen in her entire career. Um, Enough so that she resigned after their case was over. Um, So the fact that they have overcome that Mm -hmm. and can now stand and speak publicly about it, it's, it's God, but it's Mm -hmm. also this knowledge of, of what's required and teaching him that it was a very slow process. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of started with teaching him his triggers. Um, we did teach that very early on, t- mm-hmm. taught him to re- recognize his own triggers and what they were. We probably taught you that at what, like 10? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, nine or 10. Um, and just slowly over time, him learning more as he was able and he wanted to learn it, mm-hmm. you know, because I think it took the blame in his mind off of him, you know, to, oh, this is why I'm doing these things, mm-hmm. you know? Exactly. And I think that's what our kids need. Yes. If not, they just think that there's something wrong with them. Wrong. You know, then there's that shame and Mm -hmm. and just sort of that cycle of I'll never be anything else. So um, I just feel like I noticed that that when you know for for Trent, for you as the child, the young adult now, to have that training and to learn about it along the way, um, Mm -hmm. I think is invaluable really to even help with the healing process. Mm-hmm. It is. And we teach the kids that we work with, we start teaching them very, very early on mm-hmm. um, about the brain changes and the triggers and, and it's very, very, very helpful for them and for the families. So, yeah, absolutely. So now you mentioned the kids that you work with. So you have established watch me rise an organization, helping children and families move from trauma to triumph mm-hmm. like Trent um, tell us about that. You can both chime in however you want to answer that. We'll kind of do that together since we, we kind of co-founded that mm-hmm. together. It's really our whole family, um, that, that does this ministry, but Trent and I are kind of out in the front with that. But, um, we established this basically to put in place everything that we would have liked to have had when we went through the process of, of fostering and adopting. Um, so we have a large uh, support group network that wraps around families um, that we have programs for children, which Trent, mm-hmm. you want to talk about that? Cause you started those. Yeah. So. so, you know, a lot of, 
there are a lot of support groups for parents, but very rarely are there support groups for children, not necessarily childcare, but actual groups for the children where they can come together, have that sense of community, and also learn just like the adults do, learn about their triggers, learn about their emotions and learn about the changes that have occurred in their brain, you know, and I decided to start that because, you know, growing up, I felt like no one understood what I was going through. I felt like the foster kid and everyone knew it, you know, and honestly, no one could understand, but having that sense of community, it empowers us, you know, just having that instant, just knowledge and understanding of, you know, each other and what it's, what it feels like to live through those things or deal with certain things such as food issues or fear of, you know, leaving, you know, things like that. It's just that instant, you know, understanding and it just connects us to a, in a level and in a way that others can't. So we do that through, through groups. And then we also do individual sessions with families, mm-hmm. with our TBRI training, with our trauma background. Um, with individuals, with teens, lots of different ways that we work with families on basically trauma consultation. We do specialized trainings where we'll go out and train on working with kids who've been sexually mm-hmm. abused or all, all the different, you know, relative topics. Um, we do we do some podcasting. We're writing more resources. Trent's getting ready to write a Bible study specific for uh, kids who have been through uh, mm-hmm. through the system or through trauma. So we've started working on that. Yep. So that is, that is amazing. So a couple of quick questions. So it's not just for families in North Carolina. Nope. Mm-mm. No. Perfect. And it, and it's not just for, for foster families. It's also for those who have adopted internationally as well. Um, Cause and we're kinship. all kind of dealing with the sand kinship. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. And then what about, so, so the support groups, Trent, you were talking about that, that you've um, started for kids. What are the ages? So like if there's a parent listening and who has a teenager um, is there a support group for a teenager where he can connect with other teens safely? Yes. Yeah. So our, the range, the age ranges we've had have gone from birth to <laughs> 18 and actually some into their twenties. That's why I laughed when you asked uh, the age range, <laughs> like it's literally yeah. all of it, but <laughs> you know, and another I have an 18 year old I want to give to you. No. <laughs> Another thing I started recently is a program called Fostering Faith. And twice a month, a group of foster alumni who have either been adopted or have aged out of the foster care system get together and we I host a Bible study. And that just provides a sense of community for the older foster alumni. Currently, I have five or six most of them are in their twenties. Some of them have aged out. Some of one was actually adopted at 23. So it's a, it's a different group of people, but it's just so amazing to come together and to just worship together. And just, it adds not only community, but an ability to grow closer to God together, you know, and to just help one another in our walks with God. And that's with them. They're all over the country. The youth that yeah. he's working with are all yeah. over the country. It's, it's hosted yeah. virtually. And so, I, yeah. I have people who are in Indiana, New Jersey, Washington, Arizona, all over the country. Wow. And then have you, do you use a specific curriculum or are you writing the curriculum? Cause I, I'm kind of like thinking you're going to write Bible studies. Like that's what you're doing. <laughs> well, tell her why you're writing the Bible study. <laughs> yeah. So currently I'm using uh, just some pre-recorded videos online through a, a, a platform called study gateway. So I'm using, I heard that. Yeah. 
such as Louis Giglio and others like that. So that's what I'm working through, going through right now. And that's also why I'm doing, I'm creating this Bible studies because, you know, looking through Bible studies and going into the Christian bookstores, I could never find not one that talked about foster care or Bible studies for kids who are in foster care or, you know, things like that. So I decided, you know what, it's time that I would do it myself. You know, if it's not going to be out there, why don't I be the one to do it? That's right. That's right. Well, I'm here to confirm that you're on the, you're headed in the right direction on that because I can tell that that's needed. Um, so one quick question, this is really like maybe for me personally, because I have kids diagnosed with FAS. Do you, I know you have different, different things that you teach. Do you address mm-hmm. FASD? Actually, one of the, uh, one of our, one of our one-on-one individual sessions right now is with a family that's um, working with a he's a preteen mm-hmm. with, with that. And yes, that's something that we do, but we don't know as much as we would like about it. Um, but, yeah. but yes, it's mm-hmm. very important and it's a very, very prominent, uh, issue for a lot of our families and the one that yes. we're working mm-hmm. with in particular. So yeah. it's like, it's like, cause I, my, my boys were diagnosed younger, but I really didn't have a whole lot. I didn't learn a whole lot about it. I, I, I learned a lot about the trauma stuff with the TBRI. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and my listeners, you know, I don't want to be a broken record because I talk about this stuff oh, all no. the time. So regular listeners are going to like, they're going to be like, oh, here she goes again. But COVID, <laughs> hit, really like my, my son who's 16 now when COVID hit and he was like 14 rocked his world. And I was like, okay. right, yeah. this, the trauma is this attached? Like, well, he's really well yeah. attached, but is it trauma? Is it, is it the FAS? Like what, what, what is yeah. it? Is it a team here? And it was kind of like, yes, to all of those. All I was going to say probably all. <laughs> And a nice perfect storm, but yeah. I started diving deeper into learning more about mm-hmm. FASD. So I've taken some courses on it, and right now I'm about to start a year long course with facets um, mm. and their neural behavioral model, and it's all that's about cool. the brain, right? So um, because yeah. that's one of the things that I see lacking is um, you know families just don't know. There's no training like for your foster parent classes, for yeah. your adoption classes. There's no mention of FASD. You're right professionals aren't knowing how to, you know, so that's such a missing piece. So I asked that just because that's been really the journey I've been on taking a deep dive into that, wanting to get more training so that that's something that my nonprofit can offer to families. Oh my goodness. Excellent. Yeah. All of that. So that's huge. And anything you can share with us, we will share with our families. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Thankfully I, my background before this was in special education, so I do have a little bit of, of background knowledge in that, but not, not nearly enough. So, yeah. yeah. So again, incredible healing, Trent, you're 21 now. Um, and I, I know you mentioned that you're obviously this is the, your line of work. You're, you have a calling on your life clearly. So to kind of fill in the blanks a little bit more for us, what are you doing now? Are you in college? You know, what, 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 what does life look like now? <laughs> yeah, of course. So I am in college. I am, let's see, after this semester, I am three semesters away from finishing my bachelor's in family and human development. And then I will go on for my master's in either clinical social work or clinical counseling to become a trauma-informed therapist. In addition to that, you know, I work a lot, you know, in watch with Watch Me Rise work and mentoring and public speaking 
and I'm on several advisory teams and councils and just doing anything and everything I can to advocate for foster youth, foster care reform, and just trying to make a difference in any capacity I can and any door that God so graciously opens for me, I will walk through as I have my whole life and I will continue to do so because he's gotten me this far and I just can't wait to see where he takes me from here. Yeah, well, like I said, there's definitely a calling on your life. Um, it shines it, it shines through. Uh, Pam, what advice would you give to uh, foster adoptive and kinship caregivers who are walking this journey? You've walked this journey. I could talk all day on that, but I will try to do it in a couple of seconds. <laughs> um, first and foremost, wrap yourself in care uh, with people that get it. I didn't have that. I needed that so, so desperately. And I know that some people don't have that locally, mm -hmm. but there are places online. We can help people online, find people that get it to wrap around you for those days that are really hard. Cause they will be, there will be days that are really hard. Um, second, don't ever, ever give up. <laughs> Um, there were days when I said the words, I can't do this anymore. And Trent and I talked very openly about that. There were, I said those words, I can't do this anymore. And I dropped to my knees and I prayed and I cried out to God and I got up and I kept going. And here we are on the other side. And I would not trade one minute of that journey for anything. Like, like we were saying, those moments those moments are, are the moments that brought me closest to my boys, that brought me closest to my husband, and most importantly, brought us mm -hmm. closest to God. Those are the moments where we had nothing to cling to uh, but God um, and wouldn't trade that for anything. So never, ever, ever give up. Um, that sounds very simple, but never give up. Find adequate supports trainings, get all the training you can um, to understand as much as you can um, to equip you to parent to the best of your ability. And just remember, this is a journey and it is going to be up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, enjoy those ups. And when, when you're down, <laughs> back up and go again. Um, but it's such an incredible journey that no one can understand unless you've done it. Um, but again, I keep saying it over and over a journey. I wouldn't trade for anything. And it's very, very clear to, to me now that we're on the other side of it, why each and every one of those things happened along the way. So mm -hmm. what about you, Trent? What would you say to the foster adoptive and kinship parents listening? And maybe, maybe they're in the down, right? Maybe it's a, it's a bad, boop, you know, what would you say? Very my message is very similar, you know, to my mom's. The main thing is don't give up. In, in the times where it feels like you've got nothing left, that's when God performs his miracles. That's when you can feel his presence the most. And, you know, you need also, it's important for foster and adoptive and kinship parents to understand that you're, while you may be scared, your child is terrified. While you may know that, you know, food is going to be on the table, your child's not going to know that for sure. You know, be patient. Come alongside this journey with 
your child, because you're in this together, just as God has been with us the entire time. You know, it's, it takes patience. It's not easy. It's not always pretty, but it is one of the, it's the most rewarding thing you will ever do. You know, and God has so clearly called us to care for the fatherless and be a voice for the voiceless. And, you know, you have answered that call. And for that, I thank you. So please don't give up. Press into God in scripture, press into your community and educate yourself as much as possible. And just be patient with yourself as well, Mm -hmm. because you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up, but show yourself grace just as God shows us grace and show grace to your child and be vulnerable with your child and Mm -hmm. let them know when you mess up, be like, Hey buddy, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Just find anything you can to attach to your child and make them feel safe no matter what it takes. Mm. Oh, wow. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. I don't even want our conversation to end um, (laughs) because I'm learning so much. And I know our listeners are going to be so inspired and so encouraged and better equipped. Um, So thank you for sharing transparently too, because I know it's such a hard journey. It was, it was, especially for you, Trent, it was so hard. Um, But even Pam, to be able to, to be on this side of it and be able to say, because I say all the time for the first, you know, decade that I parented, I did, I did it all wrong. wrong. I know what not to do. Right. Yep. I know what not to do. Now I know that this works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and just to be honest and upfront, right, is yep. so important. But where can our listeners find this amazing book about your story, Shattered No More, A Child's Journey from Trauma to Triumph? How can they get a copy? Yeah, so they can get a copy of that on our website called watchmerise919.org. And that has all our books and our information about what we do. If you want to learn more as well. And we will put links in the show notes to exactly how they can or link right to your website. So our listeners can, can find that um, and read it for themselves. Cause it is an incredible book, an incredible story um, really by an incredible young man and mom and um, I just so value your story and, and what you are doing to impact the lives of others walking in this journey as well. Um, just your, your voices are so needed in this space. And I thank you so much for, for sharing and for being on the show. And thank you thank for you. what you do. And thank you for, for mm-hmm. having us. We Definitely. really appreciate any opportunity to, to serve. So thank you. Oh, thank you both. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, for staying with us with that. I know that was a much longer conversation than we usually have, but it was both Pam and Trent, and I could have talked with them forever. Um, In fact, we talked longer after I stopped recording, um, and and we want to set up another conversation because they just are uh, invaluable voices in this space. So listen, listen again if you need to, to just soak it up um, and hear from... um, I just appreciate so much the perspective that Trent brings um, because I'm, I'm used to talking to a lot of moms and I, I love everything that Pam said, and she's a valuable voice in this also, but I hope you really were encouraged and inspired um, by Trent in, in, in his sharing. Um, again, the book is Shattered No More, a Child's Journey from Trauma to Triumph, and we will put a link in the show notes to their website where you can um, not only get the book, but check out all their other resources and things that they're offering through um, their organization. 
I was inspired. I hope that you were too. Uh, If you enjoy the show, um, please be sure to let us know by subscribing to this podcast, subscribe to Orphans No More. Um, I've written a book too, and uh, you can read my family's uh, kinship and adoption story, our journey uh, in my book, Orphans No More, A Journey Back to the Father. It's available wherever you buy books. Um, If you would like a signed copy, you can grab that at my website, sandraflack.com. You can learn more about me and there as well as um, whether you go through our Justice for Orphans website or sandraflack.com, you'll be able to reach out if you're interested in having me come and speak at an event or a retreat or a conference or um, whatever you're planning that you think that you might want me to come and speak at. I would love to. I can do in person or um, online. So feel free to reach out for that, um, about that. Uh, I'd also like to give a shout out to our Care Portal County sponsors, uh, Trinuclear Corporation, Bishop Boundary Construction, and National Bank of Kuksaki. Um, these businesses care about children and families in crisis, and they, they uh, financially sow into Justice for Orphans so that we can do what we do. Um, so I want to thank them for their support. Uh, don't forget, again, check out our website, justicefororphansny.org. Uh, we do have uh, an entire resource page up for trauma and FASD resources. We're in the process of updating our website. It's been a few years, so we really want to refine it and hone it and uh, make it even more user-friendly. So that's going to be happening, but you can go there and just find resources um, that you would you would need as a foster or adoptive or kinship caregiver. Be sure to follow us on social media. Justice for Orphans has both a Facebook and Instagram page. Follow us there. You'll always know uh, who the uh, upcoming podcast episode, what that's going to be about and who our guest is going to be. And you can also connect with me on social media. I'm on Facebook at Sandra Flack and Sandra Flack author. I have two Facebook pages Um, and on Instagram. I am at Sandra Flack underscore JFO. Uh, So connect with me there. Always love to connect with our listeners. I am so grateful for you. Grateful you spent your time with me today and for staying the course through to the end. If you're still listening, I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to Orphans No More, for sharing what you've heard and praying for vulnerable children everywhere. We hope you are inspired to walk out James 127 in whatever way God calls you. For more information, visit justicefororphansny.org.